I'm Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here, but it's just incredible to be together at Life Changes PM Congregation. And this past week has been phenomenal for me and just for us as a church. We fasted, and if you fasted with us, it was actually incredible. We fasted on water for three days, but more than that is that we saw God move during those three days. We had uh, meetings at our Century City uh, campus. We had uh, one in the city, and we just saw God move in that place, that men and women started to believe and trust again that God would actually do what He says He does in the Bible. And so I feel like there is this renewed sense of faith for all of us, that actually there's this renewed sense of hope that in the beginning of 2020, we're almost at the end of oh, we're at the end of Jan, we're in Feb now, that we can trust again in God, and that we actually can desire and dream again in God for what He has for us. And I want to say, will we be a people at this time of faith? Will we begin to trust and believe again that God is calling us to more? And I believe that during this fast has actually been one where faith has risen. And there was this incredible word shared by Shelley Anderson, who is on the eldership team, and she was saying that we are actually an army of the living God, that we're not just people who come to church on a Sunday and uh, do the Christian things and do, tick all the boxes, but actually we are an army, and that an army actually needs to have a mission, that we are on mission for God, and we're supposed to take ground for His kingdom. And when we know what our mission is, faith begins to rise. We know that we have a great commander who is giving us commandments to walk in obedience, to take ground for His kingdom, and that actually these last two years maybe have been one of uncertainty for you. Maybe they've even been one of loss for you, but God is calling us to move again in faith. God is calling us to Trust Him again in faith. And God is calling us to go on mission and pour out in faith, not just for ourselves, but for the community of Tableview, for the city of Cape Town, for those people who do not know His name yet. And that is what He is calling us to as believers. And I really believe this at this time. So the title of my preach tonight is, We Are On A Mission. Turn to your neighbor and say, We Are On A Mission. Okay, Okay, now you need to do it with a little bit more fire in your bones. We are on a mission. We are on a mission. There we go. There we go. But we're going to turn to Hebrews 10 uh, in your Bibles, and we're going to be reading from verse 19, and it's a text that I hope will stir your heart with faith tonight, that will stir your heart, and not just personally, but as believers together, that we are supposed to go on mission for God, but that starts with intimacy with Him, and then He actually gives us commands to walk in obedience, trusting for the more that He has for us. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, I just simply pray that faith will begin to rise. 
that faith will begin to rise in your sons and daughters, where we have set the dreams and purposes of your kingdom aside, Lord, in the last two years, and where things of your kingdom have become dim in our hearts, Lord, I pray that you set it ablaze once more, Lord. I pray that faith will rise in this building, Lord. I pray that you will pour your spirit out and that we will see you afresh, the same God who was in the beginning, who is and is to come, but that we will go on mission for you, that you are calling us to a higher purpose. You are calling us to a greater purpose, Lord. But I pray that you have your way in our hearts, Lord, that you will be glorified, Lord, but that there will be salvations in our midst, that there will be miracles in our midst, Lord. There will be healings and chains will fall off of your people, Lord, because you are good and you are God who does it again and again and again. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amazing. So the author of Hebrews is writing to this group of believers, and they were very, very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. They knew all the Hebrew traditions. They knew the Hebrew scriptures. They knew all the key events in Israel's history. And they were this group of Christians who uh, came from the Old Covenant, who knew all of that, but who had endured much suffering. They had endured many trials and uh, endured persecution, and they were actually at risk of enduring even more suffering. So he is writing to this group of believers, and he is telling them to stay fast, stay the course, do not forsake your faith, because a, a bunch of them, some of them were actually slipping away. They were forsaking the faith of Jesus Christ for old things. They were forsaking the faith for the old covenant, the old way of living, the old way of doing things. And they did not want to face more persecution. They did not want to face more suffering. So then they actually started slipping away very, very quietly at first, but this, uh, the writer of Hebrews is imploring them to hold on to Jesus because Jesus is greater than anything that we have ever known. And this is what the whole book of Hebrews is about, that Jesus is greater. See, Jesus is greater than the angels. He is the greatest messenger God has ever sent to mankind. He brought the gospel to earth. Jesus is greater than even Moses, where Moses could not lead the Israelites into the promised land of rest. Jesus leads us into eternal rest with him, where the high priest could not atone for our sins once and for all. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and Jesus is the greatest priest of them all. So this writer of Hebrews is showing us that actually we need to hold fast to Jesus. We need to hold fast to that confession of our hope, which we started in the beginning. And so the writer of Hebrews does this through different commandments. He gives us commandments that we need to obey or walk in in order to see the fullness of God, in order to hold fast to Jesus. And he does this through, through three commandments, and it begins with the words, let us. Let us. And it's a command for our own personal lives, but it's a command for us as a collection of believers. Let us. And the Greek word for us means us. It's a beautiful, simple word. And so he's actually saying there are these commandments that you need to walk in. But we really have this idea as believers that commandments are actually quite bad. Commandments are either a way of God showing his authority over us of this really far and distant God, and all he wants to do is for us to submit. Or they are for his own satisfaction, and they don't relate to us 
at all. I want to say that God's commandments are for our good. It is a bad and it is a false idea that God's commands only exist for Him, for His authority, or anything like that, and they do not exist for our future and for our lives. They are for our good. And so too many people think that God's commandments are just simply showing who is in charge. But the Bible says that God gives us commandments because He loves us. It says this in 2 John 1 verse 6, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. See, this means that if we love Him, we will obey what the Bible says, because He loves us. Everything He tells us to do is for the good of us. If you, your earthly father gives commands to a small child, not to uh, lord their authority over them, but because they love them. If they say, do not play in the road, that is a commandment, but it's for their safety, it's for their protection, it's for their well-being, it's for their future. And so God is the same loving Father in heaven. He is giving you commandments, and He wants to see His fullness in your life. So He wants you to walk in obedience to them. He doesn't tell us to do things because He has needs. He tells us to do things because we have needs. So in this passage, there are these three commandments, and they start with let us. And the first one is let us draw near to God. Can you say let us? Let us. See, I don't think it's by any coincidence that the first commandment starts with intimacy. And when Candace shared that actually in order to walk in everything that God has for us, we need to be intimate with our Father in heaven. We need to draw down from Him, and that empowers us by grace upon grace upon grace to walk in faith. See, we live in a world with complete access to almost anything. We live in a world where we have information at our fingertips in our phones. We can uh, order pizza and will appear in 30 minutes. We can Google anything and we can have knowledge at our fingertips. We have unlimited storage capacity. We are being connected to people uh, more than ever before. We live in this world of access. We can get access to almost anything. But we sometimes live like we don't have full access to our Father in heaven. And this is, the, this is the thing of this world, is that actually we live like we don't have any access. But there's this encouragement to this group of believers to draw near. And God would not give this encouragement, this commandment, if He did not think it was necessary for our own hearts. See, we live in a world of open access, but uh, fewer and fewer people are accessing the presence of God in our lives. Fewer and fewer of us are accessing the fullness of God in our lives. And God is calling us as believers to draw near to Him again, to draw near, to live in His presence, to live by His Spirit, to live by the purposes and plans of God, and to seek Him and His kingdom first, and then to walk in faith as believers. See, faith begins to rise when we draw near to our King. Faith begins to rise in the midst of trials and temptations and pressures when we draw near to God because His Word says when we draw near, He draws near to us. And that is the testimony of the gospel. And so the problem for these uh, group of Christians in Hebrews wasn't that they had problems. It wasn't that they had persecutions. The real problem was that they weren't on track with their relationship with God. They had forsaken intimacy for other th the old way of life. They had forsaken intimacy with Jesus 
for other things. And their challenges, their trials, their pressures became so big, and they lost sight of how big their God in heaven is. And so he is imploring us as believers, draw near to God. Do not forsake that. Do you spend time in his word? Do you spend time in his presence? Do we longer for him more than anything else? Where is most of our time and our energy and our affection going? Is it going to our children, which is good? Is it going to our marriage or our families or our schools, which are all good things? But first and foremost, we need to draw near to God. And once we draw near to God, we overflow into people's lives. Once we draw near in intimacy, we begin to overflow. And we cannot give what we do not have. That is, that is just a fact. We cannot give what we do not have, but we also cannot help to give what we do have. And so we need to draw near to God in fullness, and we need to pursue Him and His plans and His promises for us. And I, pr- and I trust that faith is beginning to rise, that God is calling us as believers again to seek Him. God is calling us as believers again to stand upon His Word. God is calling us as believers again to declare His truth over a watching world, where there's so many other truths in the world, my own personal truth, or the truth that the world declares about sexuality or whatever it may be. He is calling us as believers to draw near to Him, stand on His truth, and then go on mission for His gospel. That is the command of God tonight, and it's not something that we get to pick and choose, or it's an extra uh, hidden menu item. No, it is a command by Jesus to walk in faith and to draw near to God. And so firstly, we need to draw near to God, and secondly, let us Hold fast to hope. It says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Say hold fast. First we draw near and then we need to hold fast. You may have heard the saying that uh, you can tell a lot about a person by their handshake. But there was actually another wartime saying is that you can tell a lot about a person by their hands, whether they were calloused, whether they were rough, or whether they were smooth. And in wartime, they would often, in the trenches, look for people with calloused hands. Why? Because they had been in the trenches. They had dug for years upon years. They had experience in battle. They were battle-worn, but they had experience, and they were hard workers, and they were diligent. And I want to say too much of the church, and this is for my own heart now, have spiritually smooth hands. We have spiritually smooth hands, and God is calling us as believers to rise up in faith and go on mission for His kingdom again. Because again, we are an army of believers. We are a faith community. We don't just do church on a Sunday, have a cup of coffee, and tick the box of Christendom. No, we are believers. Faith should rise wherever we go, wherever we go, whether it's in our schools, our homes, uh, whether it's at the hospital, whether it's our business place. Faith should rise when believers start walking because we've been in the presence of God and we pour out His presence, we pour out His Spirit, and we have calloused hands of dragging believers towards Him, of going on mission and pulling each other towards more of God and His purposes and plans for us. See, this is a command for believers to hold fast to the truth of the gospel. 
We need to stay the course and hold on to the truth, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we cannot let other things get in the way. We cannot let other things water down this truth. We need to hold fast. What are you holding on to right now? What is the thing that you are holding on to most dearly? That you say, I cannot live without this thing. I cannot do without this thing. What are you holding on to with dear life? Because I promise you, hold fast, holding on to the hope to which we have confessed. Your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. Maybe you don't think so, but your future, your future in eternity depends on it. Well, we hold fast and stay the course as believers. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to believe. In the midst of pressure, we hold fast. In the midst of trials, we hold fast. In the midst of temptations, we hold fast. In the midst of pleasures, we hold fast. In the midst of loss, in the midst of change, in the midst of the unknown, we hold fast. This is what God is calling His church to. Well, we hold fast to the hope that we began to profess in the beginning. And when he says hold fast, he says do so without wavering. That word wavering in Greek means to stand upright, to stand perpendicular. And if you can remember in high school geometry, perpendicular means 90 degrees. It is completely straight. And it means that we need to stand upright and walk upright in faith, fixing our eyes on God. And as we do that, faith begins to rise. And we need to hold on to our hope, standing upright, fixing our eyes on heaven, not looking at pleasures, not looking at pressures, but fixing our eyes on on our King above, and we will hold fast as believers. See, this is what it means. There is no place in the Christian experience for a hope that is firm one time and a hope that is shaky another. There is no place in our experience for a hope that is firm at one moment, but when trials come, it begins to be shaky. We need to stand upright. We need to stand firm, and God, God holds us up. God gives us the strength. God strengthens our frame, and He gives us the grace and the strength in order to do this. It's not by our own ability, believers. It's not by our own ability. And maybe at this point you're saying, okay, this is great, but I don't know what this means for me. I want to say this is for every, every believer. The writer of Hebrews is imploring us this way. Don't stop. Continue. Hold fast to God by faith. See, we are in a spiritual war. We really are. And there are uh, the enemy and the world wants to take ground, but God wants us to take ground for God's kingdom. And there is a fight at hand. See, there's a fight for that territory. If we are to take ground for God's kingdom, there is something else that wants to get in that way and steal it from God. And we need to know as believers that we are an army, that we need to have weapons of faith, that we need to draw from God, and that He sends us on mission. And maybe you've been a Christian for 20 years, maybe you've been a Christian for one, but I want to say, well, God God call you to mission again? Will you start believing that there's a greater purpose for your life? Will you start believing that there's sons and daughters who need to know His name? Will you start believing that there are people who need to be healed? Will you start believing again that there are people who need to be set free? God is speaking tonight, and we need to respond in faith. See, in this war, there will always be resistance. There is resistance from the outside with the unbelieving world. There is resistance from the inside, from the sinful nature. And instead of caving in, we need to press on. 
the life of faith is a, pers- a persevering, believing life. It endures amidst adversity. And when we go in sweaty perseverance, holding fast to the things of God, we will see faith rise, but we will see His presence come and His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, back to my amazing hand analogy. We need to hold fast with calloused hands, calloused hands to our hope, to the things of God. Will we continue to do it time and time again? That is what he is calling us to. See, let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. But thirdly, let us stir up each other to love and good works. Say, stir up. If at this point, like any measure of faith is beginning to rise in your soul, I want you to look to your left. Look to your left. I want you to look to your right. I want you to look in front of you. I want you to look behind you. Those are the people that God is calling you to go on mission with. See, he is calling us as believers to stand up, to stir one another up, and he is calling us as a collective to go on mission for him. See, it says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There is no getting away from the undeniable fact that being a believer of Jesus Christ means to call other fellow believers to great faith. It is an act that we cannot do at a distance. It is an act that we cannot do while sitting on the couch. It is an act that we cannot do while scrolling on Instagram and seeing an inspirational message. It is an act that we need to do when we get into the mess and the muck of people's lives. But we draw believers with us towards more of God's purposes and plans for our lives. With callous hands, as we hold fast to the things of God, He pulls us forward and we bring believers with us. That is what what he is calling us to do. See, the author of Hebrews is speaking of this mutual activity, one which believers encourage one another, not where a preacher with a microphone tells us what to do, where we get in people's lives and we spur one another on. That is what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so this blows the notion out of the water that we can come to church with our mess, with our brokenness, with our offense, with our things, and we just sit in church and we want a personal relationship with Jesus and that's all, but we don't want to get into the mess of people's lives. It blows that notion out of the water. That is not how we were created. That is not what God has for us. For he says, consider one another. Consider one another. The Greek word for consider means to look from the top to the bottom, to carefully evaluate from the top to the bottom. And you cannot do that at a distance. You cannot do that at a distance. He is commanding believers to be obedient to this and to consider one another. When is the last time we considered one another and we evaluated each other's lives and we stirred one another to faith? Because there is an eternal perspective that we need to have as believers. We don't just need to ask, how's your day going? Are you happy? Do you have a new car? No, we're caring about one another's faith. There are men and women who should be in this room that aren't, that you know of. Are we calling one another to more in God's kingdom? He is stirring us to faith. 
And maybe at this point you're saying, look, I wasn't bored for the draw near point. I love spending time with God. I was in, uh, I'm maybe on board for the holding fast point, but this just sounds a little bit too messy, Michael. This just sounds a little bit too uncomfortable, and I want to say, yes, it is. But so was the cross. God did not die for our comfort. He died for His glory. And that is the truth of the gospel. He commands us to consider one another. He commands us that we have an obligation to stir up faith in one another's lives. When is the last time you ask your brother or your sister, how is your faith journey doing? See, are we just attending church on a Sunday and singing a few songs? Or are we a faith community going on mission for God, seeing more of Him in our midst, and seeing His kingdom come on our earth? Life Changes PM Congregation, I desire that this building teams with life, not for number's sake, but that people will encounter the goodness of God, that dead people will be raised to life in Jesus Christ, that there will be healings, there will be miracles, because it is, it is God who does it. It is God who commands us to go on mission for Him, and it is a promise He gives in His Word. See, God didn't make us for a safe, sanitized version of Christianity. He called us as believers to be an army, a radical army, believing in the things of God. And this challenges my own heart because I went to a private school. I grew up in the suburbs of Tableview. I don't like getting into the mess of people's lives. But it's what God calls us to do because there is more for us as believers. There is more for us as a church. It stirs my own heart with faith when I see and hear the testimonies of others, when I spend time with Barry and I hear of how his son is struggling, but it stirs my own heart with faith when I see a man standing in what God has for him. This is what it, it, it stirs ourselves, guys. We need to be believers who gather together. And now I'm going to call a few people up and I'm going to ask Ruan and uh, Jerry just to get something ready for me. But I'm going to call Barry. Won't you come up to the stage? Come up, Barry. Where's Fimbai? Fimbai? Won't you come up? Who, who else? Uh, Peter Bremner? Come up here, buddy. Leroy? Come up here. There we go, there we go. If you're wondering what's going on at this point, I'm going to need you guys to stand on the plank. And you're going to keep me up. Okay, th this, is, this is a series of trusts. This is a trust exercise. This could go horribly wrong. Go, go, go. You're going you're gonna to have to get close to one another. It may be a little bit sweaty. Okay, you're going to have to go back. Yeah. You're going to have to get in the middle, Barry. See, it says where brothers dwell together, God commands a blessing. There is unity. See, when we begin to walk in faith, there are other people behind us who hold us up. There are other people behind us who stir us up in faith. And we begin to see each other's faith rise. See, it, it takes time. It takes energy. It is messy. It is sweaty. They are close to one another. But when we do that, faith begins to rise, and we begin to see the things of God in our midst. See, this is not a condemnation, but when he says stir up uh, good works in one another, that word stir up means to jab in each other's side. You can jab each other in each other's side right now. 
Jab one another. Poke one another right now and each other side. There we go. It means to poke one another, to elicit a response, to elicit a riot. Will we elicit a response as believers, as believers in Christ who stir up one another and walk again in faith, walk again in the promises of God, walk again in His kingdom? Will we trust Him again in believers, stirred up in faith, trusting Him in the promises of God, trusting one another again? And as believers, we go on mission. We are called to mission. Life changes PM congregation. If you are here tonight, you are called to mission. You are called to mi- Henry and Nats, you are called to mission. Mareka, you are called to mission. Colette, you are called to mission. Alex, you are called to mission. We are called to mission as believers in Christ. I'm going to hop off and you guys can go off now. That's going to slide slightly. See, all this is possible because our confidence rests in Jesus. See, it's not by our own ability that we do this. We partner with Jesus Christ, and He gives us the strength, and He gives us the grace. And so let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Let us stir one another up to love and good works. But it is because we have Jesus See, the passage of Hebrews starts with these two we have. We have confidence in His blood. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, through His blood, we have access to the Father. We have His blood, which has taken the wrath of God and has put it on Jesus. We have His blood, which defeats condemnation, which defeats your sin, which defeats shame on the cross. We have His blood, which washed us white as snow. We have His blood, which breaks the veil, separated uh, God from us. We have His blood, which brings us close to the Father. And not only do we have His blood, we have a great priest. See, we have His blood, the confidence of His blood in Jesus, but we also have a great priest, one who is greater than anyone before. And what the high priest did is he went into the tabernacle, and he went into the Holy of Holies, and he made an atonement for the sins of the people, but he couldn't enter the presence of God because he was a sinful man. He couldn't enter the presence of God. He would be struck down dead because there was blemishes on his soul. But uh, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the greatest high priest. He was without blemish. He was perfect. He was the perfect high priest. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And when he died on the cross, he tore the veil in two, which means that we could access the presence of God. And never again did we need man or did we need laws to atone for our sins, to make us right with God. We had Jesus. We had Jesus, and he tore the veil on two, and we were no longer separate from our Father. So what that means for us as believers, life changes church. We can walk in faith. We can stir one another up. 
Why? Because we have confidence in Jesus. We have confidence in His blood. We have power and authority as sons and daughters that He goes before us, that He lives inside of us, that He is above us. We have a new confidence. So I want to say, will you let faith rise tonight? Will you draw near to God? Will you hold fast to the hope which He has for you? And will you stir one another up? Are you in a life group? Are you pouring out? Because as He fills, we pour out. As He fills with His Spirit, we pour out again. As He fills with His grace, we pour out. As He fills with His anointing, we pour out. And that's when faith begins to rise as a community. Can I ask us to stand? See, our confidence to draw near to Him doesn't depend on our own ability doesn't depend on how the past few days have gone. doesn't depend on what we've done right or what we've done wrong. It just depends on your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all it depends on. You have confidence to draw near. It says, draw, uh, go to the throne of grace in confidence. Will you approach Him tonight? Like Candace said, will you be intimate with your Father it's not just about faith. It's not just about works. It's about being intimate with Him and seeing the plans and purposes of God in our lives because we have been in His presence. Raise your hand. If you're saying, I want to go on mission and I need anointing from my God, I thank you, Lord, for each and every son and daughter here that you see us, Lord, but that you are calling us to a greater purpose. You are calling us to a greater standard of living, Lord. Not one of our experience, but one of your experience, Father. But I just pray a fresh anointing, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit, Lord, and faith will begin to rise in this room, but there will be uh, gifts of healing unle unleashed here, Lord. There will be gifts of prophesying unleashed here, Lord. There will be gifts of faith unleashed here to night, Lord, that you are calling your sons and daughters to be an army of the God most high, and that we will take ground for your kingdom, but that you will be go before us and make the way, Lord, and that we will hold fast to your hope, that you will draw us towards you, and that we will step in faith, walk in faith with callous hands, and pull one another towards more of you. Lord, I just thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that you are calling us to a greater story. Not one of our own, Lord, but one of yours. And I pray that you will be glorified in this house, Lord, in this congregation, but in each and every one of our lives, Lord. That when we see you face to face, Lord, we will say that we steward the gifts that you gave us well, Lord, but that we made an impact for your kingdom, Lord, and that you delight and smile upon us. We say, have your way in our hearts, Lord. Have your way in our lives and get all the glory. Amen. And then...